Hello, I'm Isaac Keith Martinez, and welcome to Isaac's Haunted Beard. Today I'm going to talk about Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. A few days back, we celebrated the 30th anniversary of Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. And because it's one of the most recent horror films that I watched... Continuing in the tradition of what inspires me to make podcast episodes, I thought, hey, let's talk about TCM3. Not one of the most popular entries in the series, but a movie that I do like. And I'm hoping that if you're not a fan of this film, but yet you still wanted to spend time with your haunted pal listening to me talk about it, you'll give it a second chance. When this movie first came out in 1990, I was already a fan of part one and part two. So I was excited to see it. And when I did finally see it, I was not impressed. Now, partly that could have been because I learned later that the film got hacked up and became a little censored. And nowadays, when you watch it on DVD or Blu-ray, you can kind of see a more complete version of it in the unrated version. But even that's not completely... uh, a director's cut, but it's closer than what you saw back in 1990 in the theaters or on home video when it was first released. So that could be it, but I don't think that's it. I think what it was, was I was so into part one and part two. And at that point in my life, I know that I was especially into part two. I was watching it a lot. So that was the shadow that part three lived in for me. And instead of revisiting it again and going, okay, well, let's see if this grows on me. I think I felt like, nah, I'll just go back to part two (laughs) and enjoy something that I know I already like. But being that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of my favorite film franchises, it's up there for me with Friday the 13th and Phantasm as movie franchises where I enjoy most of the sequels, I usually revisit those movies. And the more that I see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, the more it grows on me. And it has definitely reached a point where I consider myself a fan. And I like it for what it is. So what I'm going to do right now is explain to you why I like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre And how I feel this franchise has set itself up to allow itself to be flexible with its continuity. Because if it's important for you to have all the stories in a film franchise to to set a a set of rules that the movie has to stick by and, and, and introduce a collection of characters that have to reappear in all the films and have a story um, follow through over the course of many movies, then this franchise might not be for you because it would be very frustrating because it, it changes all the time. It kind of reminds me of the um, National Lampoon's vacation movies where In every movie, the Griswold's children are played by different actors. I always thought that was funny. 
that's how I would liken the Texas Chainsaw movies too. Is that idea that there's family members in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies that are always changing as the children in the National Lampoon's Vacation movies are always changing. Yeah, so it's if you have a sense of humor about it, maybe that's a way to approach it. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise is a series of stories that feel like urban legends. Backwoods folklore. The tales people tell of a deranged, cannibalistic family deep in nowhere, Texas, complete with a huge, unstoppable killing machine, wielding a chainsaw, wearing human skin as a mask. Because they feel like campfire tales, there's room to change the lore. Like campfire tales, although elements of the tale are the same, specifically in this case of the character of Leatherface, depending on who the storyteller is, other details change, like who's in the family, you know, what does their home look like, because their home's always very oddly decorated. What exactly does Leatherface look like? Because his look does change. He always has a mask of human flesh, but his look is very different from movie to movie and so much so that he's easily identifiable of which movie he's in based on what photo you're looking at of Leatherface, as opposed to say Jason from Friday the 13th, where sure the aficionados, the really diehard Friday the 13th fans can go, that's from part five and that's from part seven. And, but the casual fans might have a harder time identifying which Friday movie Jason's in. Not the same with Leatherface. He clearly looks different in each movie. I like that no matter what the details of a different story is like, the idea is always terrifying to me. The idea of, you know, take a wrong turn down some back road in Texas, you might become barbecue. <laughs> and for that reason, as a kid, I always thought Texas was a very scary place that I never wanted to visit. Uh, when I was a kid, two places in real life that I always thought were scary and I never wanted to visit was Japan and Texas because I was aware through movies and television that Japan had monsters <laughs> and Texas had Leatherface. Even if you don't like this movie, you have to admit this movie has a wonderful teaser trailer and not just for a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, but even just one of the all-time great teaser trailers for any movie. The teaser starts with you're outside, you see trees, it's daytime, you see a lake, it's very peaceful, there's even peaceful music playing, and you see a man standing at the edge of a lake, but you see him from behind, you see his back, he's standing very still, and because the music is very peaceful and because he's still he gives the impression that he's peaceful and as if you've never seen this teaser before i could see how you might actually fall for it that this guy is he's just a peaceful dude hanging out by the lake uh there's a voiceover that says and this is exactly what he says he says some tales are told then soon forgotten but a legend is forever. That's when the camera kind of zooms in onto a portion of the lake, let's say the center of the lake. 
and the blade of a chainsaw emerges from the water. And a hand, a woman's hand, like the Lady of the Lake, her hand is holding this huge chainsaw. Very fancy looking. And lets go of it, releases it, and it flies through the air. And the man standing at the lake catches it with one hand, and lightning strikes the blade, and the man turns around, and it's Leatherface. And then you see the title of the film on the screen, with the voiceover saying, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. And if you've never seen the movie before, and this was your first introduction to the news that there's a Chainsaw 3, this is an exciting teaser. You're like, I am in. If they're going to be this creative with the teaser, I wonder what I'm in for with the movie. Well, now let's talk about that movie. What I'm going to do first is I'm going to talk about The Crawl. Like Star Wars, all the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films start with a crawl. And unlike Star Wars, there is someone who reads. There's a voiceover who reads the crawl. So this is the crawl from Chainsaw 3. I shall read it to you now. This is exactly what you see and hear in the beginning of the movie. On August 18th, 1973... Sally Hardesty, her invalid brother Franklin, and their friends fell afoul of a bizarre cannibalistic clan of serial predators. Ms. Hardesty was the sole survivor of that night of terror. She died in a private health care facility in 1977. A single member of the murderous family lived to see trial. The prosecution recorded his name as W.E. Sawyer. He died in the gas chamber in 1981. The jurors concluded that Leatherface, presumed to be an unapprehended killer, was in fact an alternate personality of Sawyer's, activated whenever he donned a crude mask made of human flesh. If there was no Leatherface in reality, then Sally Hardesty may at last rest in peace. If there actually was a Leatherface, he remains at large, and the so-called Texas Chainsaw Massacre was only the beginning. And then the movie starts. So what I'm going to do right now is tell you the plot to the movie, and I'm going to give you some bullet points, but I am going to stop at a certain point, because I don't really want to reveal everything. I don't want to spoil it but I'm going to kind of sort of spoil it and then I'll just stop. So here we go. More or less. This is the movie up to a point. Michelle and Ryan are traveling through Texas at a gas station. They meet a hitchhiker named Tex who Ryan refuses to ride home to even after he gives him a tip on a shortcut. Tex gets into a fight with the gas station owner, Alfredo, after he catches him spying on Michelle while she's using the restroom. Michelle and Ryan flee when Alfredo brings out a shotgun. As they drive away, they see Alfredo shoot Tex. As they speed off, 
Ryan takes the shortcut road that Tex told them about. Later that night, we see a large truck leave the gas station as Alfredo cheers him on. The truck catches up with Michelle and Ryan and throws a dead coyote at their woodshield, which causes them to panic and drive erratically. And I don't know exactly why they get a flat tire, but we're to assume that in this moment of hectic panic, they, they run over something sharp. So they get a flat tire. They pull over, and Ryan changes the flat. And they're terrified because whoever chased them, who was chasing them, is still out there. As Ryan changes the flat tire, Leatherface attacks. But they get away in time. As they're driving in a panic, they almost hit Tex, who comes out of nowhere. And by avoiding him, they crash into another driver, a survivalist named Benny. Benny, not as hurt as Michelle and Ryan, tends to them where they tell him their story. He gives them some painkillers, and when he goes back to his wrecked vehicle, he meets a hooked-hand man named Tinker, who offers to help him before trying to kill him. Meanwhile, Leatherface has caught Ryan. When he gets caught in a bear trap, and Michelle is now on her own. As she continues to run, as this is a Chainsaw Massacre film, I think you know what's coming next. Michelle eventually comes across a house that she goes into looking for help, and who do you think lives there? That's right, the Texas Chainsaw Clan, the Sawyers. And there you go. Um, that's kind of the first half of the film leading into what all the Chainsaw movies lead up to is getting that main final girl into the house and putting her through psychological torture and, and even some real physical torture and seeing if she can escape Leatherface and his family. I'm going to talk about some of my favorite scenes in this movie, which... Uh, guess is also spoilers they're not real big deal scenes though so i don't really think they're huge spoilers and who knows maybe this may inspire you to want to check out the film and if you've already seen it doesn't matter does it i like the opening credits where they show Leatherface making a mask you know you have these dissolves between footage of him cutting skin, sewing skin while you see credits flash on the screen. To me, this is very reminiscent of the original Nightmare on Elm Street where you see Freddy making his glove in part one. Um, there is some things in this movie that remind me of the other chainsaw films. In the gas station scene, there's a scene where Alfredo scares Michelle with uh, some sort of like toy catches her off guard, makes a, it has, it's like a skull makes like a sound effect. And then he takes her picture with a Polaroid. That reminds me of part one with hitchhiker taking the picture in the van. There's another scene where Alfredo's peeping on Michelle while she's using the restroom and just seeing his eye get close up to the peephole actually reminds me of psycho, which is interesting because Ed Gein, Ed Gein is uh, 
serial killer, a very famous one who inspired the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and inspired Psycho and inspired some other movies as well. But Chainsaw and Psycho are two of the most famous ones. So the big truck that chases them in this movie, which we learn is driven by Leatherface. This to me is, I don't know if it's intentionally a nod to part two, because in part two, the truck that Leatherface drives is really big. There is a pickup truck that the, um, the father drives in part one, but that's just more like a normal truck as where the truck in part two is, is really large. And, and so is the one in part three. When Ryan's changing the tire quickly and Michelle's really nervous to, uh, yelling at him to hurry up because that guy's still out there, you start to hear a squeaky sound. And that squeaky sound is the sound of Leatherface's leg when he walks. He has like a metal uh, brace. So when you when he walks, he squeaks. And to me, that's like a sound effect cue of he's coming. So it makes you nervous. It makes you scared. And sometimes it's, it's for me, it's, it's less about the moment when the killer or the monster arrives and more about the approach of danger where you feel tension. And I love moments like that. And a lot of times in movies like this, you give that psychological cue through music. And in this case, and music is a sound, you know, you hear it, it's an audio sensation and, 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 and affects the part of your brain that, that, that registers it as danger. And with this, it's the sound of his leg. And I'm assuming that's a callback to part one where he got, um, he cut himself with the chain. You've seen it. <laughs> he comes up with the chainsaw at the end. And uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. It looks neat. I like it. And, it's that sense of, of dread, like hurry up, hurry up. Like you feel yourself yelling at the screen, hurry up, he's coming, he's coming. And there's a similar scene that I also really like in this film where Benny is, he he's confronted by uh, Tink and, uh, is that his name, Tink? <laughs> Tinker, yeah. So Tinker offers to help him and when Benny goes to, uh, he, he notices in the back of Tinker's truck that there's a chainsaw. And he remembers the story that Michelle and Ryan told. He, at that point, learns it's true. And he learns he's in trouble. So he says, I have to get something from my, from my truck. I'll be right back. Give me 15 seconds. And what he's going to get is his gun, because he's a survivalist. And he goes back to his gun. He goes back to his truck. He grabs his gun. And he has to put it together in the dark and load it. And he's only got so much time before Tinker's going to realize something's up. And Tinker does get into the truck and starts driving towards him. And he's driving. And as he's driving, he's picking up speed as Benny's loading the gun furiously. And you see this visual of all these road flares on the ground, which really looks neat because it's dark and just it, it just adds so much more dread. And 
you have that moment where Tink's about to crash into the truck and you're like, oh, either you're, I don't know what you're hoping for. You're hoping that he's going to, best case scenario, get all the bullets in the gun and, and use it as a, as a way to defend himself. But really, ultimately, you, you just want him to live, you know, survive the moment and get out of the way of that truck that's about to bang into him. And that's also a scene that I really like. Um, this is the first chainsaw film with a female member of the family. We're introduced to a mom. I think that's kind of neat. I also think that chain, uh, Leatherface in particular is, is, is more mean looking in this film. He seems to be much more naive and childlike in the other films, which are cool. I like those other faces, but I also like that there's different other faces. And I like that this one's very, very, uh, intimidating and you can't boss him around. There's a scene where he's, He's happy that he has this new Walkman and his brother throws it in the oven when he's mad at him and Leatherface doesn't take it. He makes him grab the Walkman out of the oven and burn his hand in doing so. Uh, there's another scene that I really like where you see Leatherface in his workshop playing with a speak and spell toy and it's a game called Alphabet Soup and they show an image of a clown and I think the point is, it's just supposed to represent a person. And it says, you know, what is this? And Leatherface writes F O O D. And then it says, no, try again. <laughs> and he keeps trying the same thing. F O O D. No, try again. And Leatherface is just getting really annoyed and frustrated because he sees it as food. And that's, that's also, it's one of my favorite scenes. Um, you know, when a franchise has no continuity, it allows you to judge each film separately. And if you compare it to the others, you may be focusing on the shadow of your favorite films in that franchise that that franchise creates. And if you look at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 just as its own separate film, um, especially, you have an easier time enjoying this movie. Uh, one of the things I really like about Chainsaw 3 that's exclusive to Chainsaw 3 is the chainsaw. Of all the films, I would definitely say the chainsaw in part three is, I would say it's my favorite because it's it's known as the Excalibur chainsaw. It's really large, such a long blade. And it's, it's, oh, it's, it's really, it's really decked out. The audio commentary for this film on the DVD I listened to, and it feels like they're not, it's a group of people who worked on the movie, including the director, you know, and some of the actors and the writer and some of the special effects people. It doesn't feel like they're actually watching the movie while they're talking about it. It just feels like they're just having a conversation. And one of the things that's brought up is the chainsaw on that. The chainsaw cost $4,000 to make. It was a custom made chainsaw. Now, I don't know much about props, so I'll just take their word for it that $4,000 is a lot for a prop chainsaw, but it's it's very impressive. And uh, one of the other things about this particular chainsaw movie that really separates it from the other ones is the music. Um, I'm not saying this is good or this is bad. It's just something that's definitely unique to this film is that the soundtrack is, is, is heavy metal music and it's not all over the film, but it's there. <laughs> it's uh, 
when when you do hear music like in the closing credits and like on the radio and stuff, it's it's heavy metal music. I'd like to before I wrap this up, talk about the cast of Chainsaw. Uh, it's not filled with a lot of famous people, but it's got some people that you may or may not recognize depending on how familiar you are with horror movies. Uh, before I get to the actors and actresses, I, I do want to mention that the movie is directed by Jeff Burr, who's made a lot of horror films and science fiction movies, including, and these are some of his more famous movies, sequels. And that is Stepfather 2, Pumpkinhead 2, Blood Wings, which I'm actually a fan of, and three different Puppet Master films, which include Part 4, Part 5, and Puppet Master Blitzkrieg Massacre. So here's some of the actors and actresses in this film. Uh, William Butler plays Ryan. He was also in, and, and you're going to notice a lot of these are, are, are genre titles, or at least these are the ones I want to point out because these are the movies that mean something to me. William Butler was also in Friday the 13th, Part 7, Ghoulies 2, and the 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead. Joe Unger, who plays Tink, or Tinker, the hook-handed guy, he's in Pumpkinhead 2 which is also directed by Jeff Burr. He has a small role in the original Nightmare on Elm Street, and he's in Roadhouse, which I actually think is kind of cool. Viggo Mortensen, who plays Tex, he's probably the most famous actor in this movie. He's mostly known from the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but from the uh, I, I particularly like him in the movie Prison, which is a horror film. There's a very weird movie he's in that I like a lot called The Passion of Darkly Noon, and I actually really like him in the, the Brat Pack film Fresh Horses, starring Molly Ringwald and Andrew McCarthy. The man who plays Leatherface is R.A. Mihailov. He went to college with the director. <laughs> he's also in Pumpkinhead 2, and of all the movies he's in, that's in his credit. He plays a tow truck driver in License to Drive, which I, I'm a big fan of. I like the Corey Haim, Corey Feldman movies. There's a scene where Corey Haim is going to get his grandpa's car towed while he's on his date, and he jumps on the car and goes, Mister, you can't tow my car. That's Leatherface from Part 3. And the little girl in this movie is played by Jennifer Banco. She was also in Friday the 13th Part 7. She plays the uh, the girl who gets her dad uh, killed in the lake in the beginning, where she um, it's Tina with her telekinetic powers. And then you see, years later, her come back to the lake, Cram Crystal Lake, as an adult. Uh, quick story, my fr a friend of mine had met her once. He went to the beach and he doesn't know anything about horror films. And he came back and showed me his phone. He's like, do you know this girl? And he showed me a picture of this woman. I'm like, I don't know her. He goes, well, she says that, uh, well, her name is Jennifer. And when she was a little girl, she was in Friday the 13th, 7, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. And I went, oh, my buddy Isaac really loves horror films. I bet he knows all about that. So I looked it up. and I was like, wow, what a weird thing to just meet this woman all grown up out of nowhere on the beach. And finally, Ken Foray is pr uh, probably, not probably, for me, he's the biggest deal in this movie. He plays Benny the Survivalist. Um, he's been in a lot of stuff, especially a lot of TV. But for me, he's known mostly for Dawn of the Dead and From Beyond. And then most recently, he started doing some uh, Rob Zombie films. He's in The Devil's Rejects, Halloween, The Lords of Salem. And he's really good in all those. But I also really loved him on the TV show, Keenan and Kel from Nickelodeon in the 90s. He played Kel's dad, uh, Roger Rockmore. And finally, Caroline Williams, who plays Stretch from Part 2, she has a, a cameo in Part 3 where she, you see her briefly as a, a TV reporter. Um, so she is actually supposed to be Stretch. Like, after she was a radio DJ, she went on to be a, a TV reporter. 
the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films feel like something that I would love to write a screenplay for. I've never done fan fiction, but if I ever did, I think I would try <laughs> a TCM story. This movie is available on Blu-ray for about 18 bucks on Amazon, 10 bucks on DVD. If you rent it on Amazon, it's about $3. If you buy it on Amazon, digital download, it's $10. Uh, on Vudu, YouTube, and Google Play, it's $3. On iTunes, it's $4. And there you go. It's not a really hard film to find. So I say watch it. I think it's fun, and I think you could have a good time, especially the more you see it. It really grows on you. I think it's pretty cool. Thanks for spending time with me as I talked about Leatherface Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Hope you enjoyed yourself. If you haven't already, follow me on Twitter at IsaacsHauntedB. Subscribe, subscribe to my YouTube channel where I also talk about movies there. And then Nick, until next time, which I hope is very soon, it'll be soon, take care of yourself. Don't take shortcuts in Texas. Uh, I look forward to spending time with you again. Bye-bye.